Man, I really got to do this. Hello, everybody. From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast. Blazing hot takes, scorching hot takes. No, this is a freaking inferno. After Florida State's 22 to 20 loss at Wake Forest, which, even though I was not present at the game, did remind me a little bit, just in the sense that it was at Wake Forest and in a cold downpour in October, reminded me of a of another rock bottom moment, or what I thought at the time was probably rock bottom for Florida State's program, the game that ultimately uh, led to the uh, resignation of Jeff Bowden and the replacement of that whole staff back in uh, 2006. I was at that game, of course, in the, uh, in the pouring down, freezing cold rain. It was a miserable experience. Something like what I imagine anybody who is, any Florida State fan who is at this game would have felt. Only that 30 to nothing loss to a really good Wake Forest team and the show of ineptitude was somewhat encouraging in one sense, that it was one of those things of, well, at least you know that changes are coming and that th- you know things are going to get better. And ultimately, that's what led to the hiring of Jimbo Fisher as the offensive coordinator and led to, a, f- a few years later, that Florida State winning a national title. So that rock bottom was a good one. But to be honest, I think Florida State is at a lower point right now than they were then. Partly because you you look at this and you say, well, I mean, what are the how long is it going to take for things to improve? What what changes can you really make? What can you afford to do? And you know, with an outgoing administration and all of that, I mean, really, realistically, there's not a whole lot you can do at this point. If you have to pay a seventeen million dollar buyout, guys, Florida State doesn't doesn't have that money. And if you're an outgoing, really an interim AD, you, you, you're not the one that should be hiring a coach. And who's Florida State going to bring in? Who can they afford? And who wants to come in after the last couple of years and knowing about the dysfunction and all of that? I mean, that's... I mean, I talked to, I talked to someone in the athletic department earlier this week, and... This person who has been around since the Bowden era said to me, you know, honestly, I keep sticking around hoping that things are going to change, but at some point, you, you, unless, I mean, as long as you've got this administration and as long as you've got this coaching staff, things, things aren't going to get better. That's what this person's opinion was. And, you know, I don't know whether things are going to get better or not, but you watch what's on the field right now and well, I mean, you guys see the same thing I do and you know, I'm getting a lot of questions about a lot of stuff. I mean, what can you do to fix this? What can you do to fix that? And you know, I look at it and it's like, I I honestly don't know. And I, I mean, I know that there's some good coaches on this coaching staff, some really good coaches. And I know they're looking around and going, what do we do? But what I do know is what they have been doing is not very good. And to me, a lot of this starts with the complete lack of discipline 
on this Florida State team. I mean, before the game, and and clips of this are up. I mean, I know a number of people who are there posted videos of this online. I know Wayne McGahee from the Democrat uh, posted a video of this, where you see Dante Lucas going down and talking all sorts of trash and acting like acting the fool. I mean, he looks like a drunk man going down and yelling at people, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, trying to trying to challenge people to get into fights. It looks like he's, you know, he's he's drank his fifth and now he's going to go and try to challenge the nearest nearest guy to fight. And he's making a fool of himself in the pregame while Wake Forest guys are just going through their their warmups. And, you know, here's the thing. It's one thing if you're going to try to go about all this and show that you got confidence and swag and all this stuff. But can you imagine being on the Florida State, the current Florida State offensive line and really believing that you have room, that you that, that you should be someone who's talking a lot of trash, that you should be talking any trash at all, that you're a part of that unit and you believe that the thing to do is to go out there and talk trash. I mean, it's mind-boggling to me. And then nothing's nothing of consequence is done about it. He just goes out there and starts the game. And of course, the offensive line more or less got their butts kicked most of the game. And this game played out largely how we talked about on the on the pre on the preview. Nothing about this game was surprising at all. I mean, everything we talked about in the preview that you know, well, Florida State is going to have there's this is probably going to be a really close game it's coin flip game probably and they're going to have trouble blocking wake forest up front because of how quick they are and all the stuff that they do in the run game and you know the challenges that they make florida state's going to have to get some big plays in the passing game but wake is going to play over the top and so you're going to have to find some other ways other than just throwing deep to do it and you're going to have to be able to protect long enough to to get some good throws downfield and and ultimately depend on some of those to make enough big plays to win the game. And then, you know, Wake's going to have some success running the football because that's what they do. And they're going to be able to throw it over the top because that's what they do. And Sage Surratt is a beast and they're going to, they're going to have some success with that, but you got to make sure that Surratt doesn't beat you and that you commit to stopping the run. So don't let them beat you over the top, play over the top, force them to throw, you know, with some consistency underneath and, take away every, you know, commit to stopping the run. That's what we talked about pregame. Every single thing that we, that, that, that was in that preview is what happened. And that's part of what makes it so infuriating. Now, here's the, here's the thing that, that things are worse than the pregame. So even though all of that stuff is true and that's how it happened, it's worse than it seems because that Wake Forest team had six trips to the red zone. Six of them, and managed to score a touchdown on what uh, one of them. So, I mean, yeah they they could have they could have won this game by a lot more, and if they had had, I mean, they kicked they kicked six field goals, but one, two, three, four, five field goals. Five field goals, one touchdown. Yeah, that's 15 plus seven. Yeah. Yeah. Five field goals, one touchdown. 
And the reason that they had to keep kicking those field goals is Florida State bowed up and was able to stop the run when they really committed to in the compressed space of the red zone when, you know, they didn't have to worry about anything in terms of Wake Forest spreading the field on them. But here's the thing. If Jamie Newman had played at quarterback for Wake Forest, I think Wake Forest scores on probably scores touchdowns on at least four, maybe five of those six trips. So instead of five of those trips being field goals, at least four of those become touchdowns. So now instead of 22 to 20, you're getting, uh, what, let's see, 28 plus uh, another seven, be what, 38 to 20? Maybe 41 to 20? I mean, realistically, that's what would have happened with Jamie Newman playing. Because we saw when they put Carney in the backfield, in the fourth quarter when they decided to run direct snap to their, to, to their physical running back in the backfield and let him run all of a sudden they were able to just cut right through the Florida state defense there. And they were able to take advantage of some of those gaps in the C gap area where FSU has some problems with their linebackers and their, and their edge guys. They're able to in two plays go what 11, 12 yards easily and score. Well, the thing is, Jamie Newman can do that every bit the same way that that Carney can, only he's the quarterback as well. And then you have Carney in the backfield with him, and they're doing that together. So all of a sudden, you have that on each of those prior prior failed touchdown attempts, and Newman's probably scoring on those. So this this game is is, closer than it would have been. So... If, if you're discouraged watching this, this team lose in the way that they did to Wake Forest, it's worse than you think because Wake Forest didn't have the quarterback that makes them so much harder to defend. Especially down in the red zone. That's where, he had, that's where he's most beneficial to them because he's a 230-pound quarterback who, again, I, I kind of said told, mentioned in the pregame, that if he plays, he's basically like a homeless man's Tim Tebow. I mean, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a guy that is a load down there. And they probably convert in those touchdowns. And he doesn't miss some of the throws that, that Hartman missed as well. This game could have been a lot worse. Should have been a lot worse. <laughs> and, you know... <sighs> Then just get down to the end of the game. Just think about the, the way this game ended. And you first of all, you ice your own kicker on a 50-yard kick. You have to call timeout because you aren't thinking ahead enough to go, well, what happens if we don't get it here? That's what you should be talking about before the prior play. What happens if we don't get it here? What's our decision? You make that decision so that you have everybody ready so that you can run them out there with no stress and make sure that your guy can go out and kick the field goal. But instead, they wait to make the decision. Wait to make the decision. All right, what, what should we do? Now, we didn't get it. Well, all right, now, now what do we do? And then, uh, well, I guess we got to kick it. All right, kick it. And then by the time they get out there, there's five seconds left on the, uh, on the play clock and they got to call timeout. And then, of course, that allows Wake Forest to set up their end of game field goal block unit. They're putting Scotty Washington, you know, huge 6'5 wide receiver out there who can go who can jump through the roof. They're putting another guy out there who's 6'5 6'6. Those guys nearly blocked that kick, those leapers. And actually if it had been on target, I think 
actually, based on trajectory, they might have gotten it anyway. And I think he might have been aware of where they're at. And, you know, kickers can kind of feel that. And I think that might have affected him. But you're, you're allowing all that to happen. You're allowing them to have a, ch- a legit chance at blocking it, first of all. And second of all, you're affecting the way that your, your kicker is, is, is preparing. That's terrific. Bold strategy, Cotton. Man. Secondly, the end of the game, the way that that, that I, I mean, I, I feel terrible for Blackman because, I mean, look, you got a guy who is a, who is recruited as a, de- as a developmental player, a guy that when he was recruited on this podcast, we talked about, this is a guy that, you know, long-term probably shouldn't play until his third or fourth year. He's a guy that, you know, he's, he's in, he's in the Sean McGuire role. He's brought in to be the backup who could develop into an emergency starter if some other stuff goes wrong, but, and maybe, you know, he's got the, got the tools eventually if he gets developed and, you know, comes along slowly, eventually he, he can become a good player. And then he's forced to start as a true freshman and he's on his third offensive coordinator. He's still raw and he's never had consistent development. And now, and he's a, a super passionate guy who who works his tail off, wants nothing more to, than to win. He's a natural leader, all of these things, but he doesn't know how to play the position, and he he's, he hasn't developed. And at this point, he's not, you know, he's never been, and he's never become a Florida State level starter because he wasn't that when he was recruited. I mean, he wasn't recruited to be that any more than Sean McGuire was, and yet. He's, I mean, he's got all these disadvantages and he's, I mean, he's out there trying, but at a certain point you are what you are. And he's a guy that it was a developmental project. Who's now on his third offensive coordinator who hasn't really been developed. And then you put him out there in a wet ball situation at the very end of the game. And he's trying real hard, but my God, I, 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 I've not seen, I don't know that I've ever seen a sadder attempt at a, you know, 40 second or 38 second drive to get in field goal range than that, where, you know, you drop back and then you go to go to throw the ball and then you just fumble, drop it with no contact because, you know, the ball's wet. And then you spend a bunch of time in the pile up and waste 30 seconds. And then there's a bad snap and you drop that too. And that's the game. I mean, that's Florida State football in a nutshell. Bad so the co- combination where you have the quarterback who just drops the ball and then, you know, wastes all the time there. And then you have a bad snap from the offensive line. You know, the, it's the offensive line and quarterback. It's what we've talked about also on this show that when you have a bad offensive line, if you've got a really good quarterback, you can make up for that. A really good quarterback can, can compensate, can hide a bad offensive line. And a really good offensive line can help hide a bad quarterback or hide, you know, a weak quarterback, a, a, a truly bad quarterback. Ultimately, you can't overcome because you're going to get some turnovers. But, you know, a guy that's not not a real strong quarterback, a, a really good offensive line can can compensate and hide that. But when you have both, when you have a bad offensive line and you have bad quarterback play, 
It's a force multiplier. I mean, it's, I would say it's like bad. It's, it's not additive. It's like a bad offensive line multiplied by bad, bad quarterback play gives you the result, but it's really more like an exponent. It's like bad offensive line play raised to the bad quarterback power. And that's where Florida state's at. And you, it's just really hard to do anything when you're, when you're in that situation. And, you know, they were, they were legit a top 15 offense earlier in the year, but man, has it come apart in recent weeks. Part of it is that teams have, have gotten a little bit more familiar with what they're doing and where some of the weaknesses are up front and what the quarterbacks are actually able to do. Some of it is just confidence and things unraveling and man, has it unraveled. Cause I mean, today it looked like last year for in, in, in a lot of, a lot of situations. Now, the one place where it didn't look like last year is Cam Akers is still a beast, and there's nobody I feel worse for on this team than Cam. I mean, Cam Akers, 30 carries, 157 yards, one touchdown, 5.2 yards per carry behind that line. Now, the one fumble was bad. That one fumble, you know, if Cam has one weakness, he and he does have one weakness, it's that. It's that he puts the ball on the ground once in a while. But dang, you're giving it to him 30 times. 5.2 yards per carry. Thing is, I came out of this game feeling like they threw it way too much. I mean, Blackman, 43 attempts. I mean, honestly, I'm looking at this going, Akers got 30 carries and he probably should have had more. Or if if nothing else, then LeBourne should have had another 15 carries. I mean, he's got, he had five. You know, I would, I would have been fine with LeBourne with another 20. Or with 20, another 15 on top of that. But I thought there were places in the second half where Bryles got impatient. And when you've got a bad quarterback, sometimes the worst thing you can do is ask him to to just cut it loose and throw deep and throw deep against corners who are bailing as soon as the snap happens and are just playing over the top. I mean, it, nothing fits together well right now. And defensively, I mean, Florida State, what can you say? Gave up 308 yards passing, 116 yards rushing, and on, I'm looking at it now, uh, 78 plays for Wake Forest, 5.4 yards per play. That's, I mean, that's not horrendous. I mean, we this the projection pregame was that Wake Forest had averaged 5.5 yards per play, so slightly off, 5.4. But still, I mean, that's, that's just not good enough against a team that you are a lot more talented than. And again, defensively, it's not like Florida State has deficiencies like the offensive line or quarterback positions on the offense. The offense is clearly having to work around some deficiencies there. Defensively, this is one of the top five most talented defenses in the country, even with the injury situation. And yeah, Hamsa going out when he did, and that was a good call. By rule, that's a good call. It, it just is. You may not like the rule, but if you dip your head and you lead with the crown of your helmet, you get e- you should get ejected by rule. And honestly, that's w- the one part of the rule that I don't have a real problem with. I think that I think that's the sort of thing that should get out of the game. Now, whether guys should actually get ejected for that is another question. But I mean, that's an unsafe hit. I mean, that's that's how a guy breaks his neck. You're supposed to tackle with your face mask up. Every defensive coach out there spends time coaching his guys to do that. Now. Florida State's tackling coaching on defense doesn't appear Florida State doesn't appear to have been coached to tackle on defense. I mean, 
Florida State's uh, defensive backs. <laughs> I haven't seen a, a defensive segment, a defensive unit, try more look ma, no hands tackling than that group. Maybe in the last few years. I mean, it's a shock anytime a Florida State defensive back not named Hamza Nasiruddin actually involves his arms in the tackle. I mean, they've gone completely, they've committed to going fully arm free. And everybody knows you don't go full arm free. That's, I mean, really. Watch it. Just take, go back and take a look at how many, how many times you see a Florida State uh, defensive back actually use their arms in a tackle percentage wise. One of the listeners, you ought to do this. Go through the, if, if you can stomach it, go back through the game and take a look at every, every play, not involving Hamsa, and it'll be easier in this game because he didn't play much, but every play not involving Hamsa, oh, well, there goes Alabama with a big field, field changing play. Um, but every, uh, every defender not named Hamsa and take a look at how many, at, at what percentage of the tackles are, are arms free tackles versus where they're just trying to throw their shoulder in there versus actually form tackling and using their arms and, you know, doing it properly. And you see the same thing with all these guys ducking their head and doing this stuff. They're, they're not disciplined. And that gets back to the first thing. You've got Dante Lucas out there making a fool out of himself. And yeah, that, that bravado looks real good now. You're, you're walking out a loser. Way to talk some trash before the game. You know, the one who, uh, one who puts on his armor shouldn't, shouldn't, uh, shouldn't talk like the one who takes it off. Wait until after the game, and then you can say what you want. But then you don't need to say anything. You've already proven it. But see, that's the thing. But then he's out there with no repercussions. He's just kind of pulled away gently, like, all right, no, let's not. We, we, should, we should not do this. You know what? You do that before a game. You sit your butt on the bench. We don't need you. We don't need you doing that. We don't need that to be the image. We don't need that to be the way we're represented. That's, that's my, th- not my thinking. We're not, this is not how we do things. Certainly not how we did things when I was around. And, you know, I hear people out there, well, at least, at least Dante Lucas has swag. It's the last thing Florida State needs is swag. Look at Miami, all those efforts over the years to try to get their swag back. The last thing you need is swag. How much swag do you see or do you, do you see emphasized at Alabama or Clemson? They're not about swag. You need discipline. You need accountability. You need consistency. You need be, be a businessman. Take care of your business. The last thing you need is swag. Swag's what gets you in a situation like uh, like uh, Antonio Brown this 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 season. Swags swags what makes you stupid. Yeah, if you want to celebrate after after making a play or whatever, once you get good enough that you're that you're able to do that without hurting your team, fine. But you got to earn the right to celebrate. And see the the thing is, and I talked about this a few years ago. Guys mistake swag. They mistake quality play and confidence for swag. They think that the swag has to come first, that you get the swag and then you play well. But the thing is, it's the reverse. 
what you need is the quality and then the the confidence of the consistent quality that you're that you're putting out that exudes that thing that you're really trying to get at when you get this false swag what it is is it's a fake tough guy thing but it's fake what are you going to do dante lucas you're going to go and you're going to go and get in a fight with those guys before the game you're gonna, what are you trying to do there there's nothing there's First of all, they ignored you like anybody who knows that they're just going to go and kick your unit's butt anyway is going to do. That's what they should do. But let's say they did something. Let's say somebody came out there and took you up on your challenge. What are you going to do? Get in a fight beforehand and then you're both suspended for the game? Let your play do the talking. But see, this is a team that loves to talk. But to me, that you're taking on the image. You, you take on the persona and the character of your coach. That, that culture stuff gets defined from the top. And at this point, we're well into year two. And you got to either, and, and when you're making a culture change, you got to decide this is what we're going to be. You got to establish that early. You got to establish that up front, that here's how we're going to, here's the, the standard we're going to set and here's how we're going to go about it. And if by this point in year two, you're getting this stuff, that's on you. Yeah, the culture was bad when you came in, but you went the wrong direction with that. That's on you. Your job, if you're a a part of this coaching staff, and especially if you're at the top, if you're the head coach or the, the, the strength coach and one of those guys that your job is to set the culture, your job is to say, that's not living to the standard. And we're not gonna tolerate that. And then what you do is you take away playing time. You deal with that and you say, well, then we're not going to win. We need these guys to win. Well, you're not winning now. And the thing is, if you sacrifice culture for wins, you know what you're going to sacrifice in the long term? Culture. Or you're going to sacrifice wins. You're going to, you sacrifice culture for wins now. You're going to eventually get neither. Case in point, 2014 through 2016 or through 2017 Florida State under Jimbo Fisher. You sacrifice culture, you're going to eventually lose wins. If you emphasize culture, you may lose some wins up front, but you're going to pay that's going to pay off with wins down the, down down the backstretch. You're eventually going to going to benefit from getting those wins later on once you've built that culture and people are starting to live up to that standard. But if you are all bark and no bite, then you just get the same thing that you got with Jimbo. And that's what it seems like you're getting here. If you're not actually demanding that guys hold that standard and you demand it by requiring, by, by holding them accountable to do it, then you're going to get what you get. And I will give credit where credit is due. They've got these guys going to class. They've been so much better in the classroom. They've done a lot of things in terms of, of upholding a higher standard off the field in lots of ways. But in these areas, in terms of the organization of just like the organization of pregame warmups, just watch them warm up and look at the, look at the chaotic kind of atmosphere, militarize that stuff, get it in order and, you know, make sure that these guys aren't talking, make sure that they understand that their job is to go out and do their job rather than to talk. And, and when the first guy talks, you come down hard like the hammer of God. And then let somebody else do it. And you come down hard again. And then eventually guys will start figuring out that you're serious about holding that standard. And then when that standard gets held, you start getting accountability. You start getting discipline. You st- and all those other things start coming. 
But what do I know? I what I what I do know is that I've been watching some really bad football of late. And you know, thinking about this long term for the rest of the season, this was a game they needed to win to ensure that they were going to make a bowl. I mean, talent-wise, this is a team that that they needed to beat. This is this is. I mean, Wake Forest. I I talked about it earlier in the year. I thought Wake Forest was a team that was a real threat to beat this team. But this is a team they needed to beat. This is a game they needed. They needed to win because now they're going to beat Alabama State, but they need to win two of three against Syracuse, Miami, and BC just to make a bowl. Syracuse is not a guarantee. I think they should win that game, but they're no guarantee. Miami sure ain't a guarantee, even though that game... And that, uh, I just saw a tweet from uh, uh, Landry that said that the Florida State-Miami game should be, uh, should be on the Comedy Central channel, and that's right. And they should beat that BC team, although they seem to have come to life a little bit. So they should win two of those three, but there's no guarantee that they do. And they're going to get hammered by Florida. At the, at, at, as things stand. That Florida team is a lot better than this Florida State team, and they're getting better, not worse. And this Florida State team is going the wrong direction this year, last couple games. So the question is, what do you do from here? And to me, you know, I, I, I look at this and I go, well, for, number one, Washington, Darius Washington played some at left tackle. So, you know, you got at least three more games out of him if uh, if you want to redshirt him. I don't know if you want to redshirt him or what, what the plan is there, but you might might think about playing him more if you're not going to redshirt him. And then, uh, you know, seeing if seeing if maybe you get some some better stuff because I mean, at least he's not ruined yet. And you know, at, at quarterback, you know, honestly, you got to start thinking about. I mean, Kendall. Kendall Bryles, I'll, I'll just be totally straightforward here of what I know from behind the scenes. I, I, I'm not always forthcoming about some of this stuff, but I know for a fact that Kendall Bryles has wanted Hornybrook to be the starter for a, a long time. I know that since the spring, Kendall has had questions about whether Blackman could run his offense to the satisfaction of what, what they needed. I know he's had that question from even as far as, as far back as that. And that he ultimately came out of even camp wanting Hornybrook to be the starter. But ultimately, that decision is up to the quarterback or up to the head coach. And you've got some other issues in terms of locker room and making sure that you've got some the leadership thing taken care of. And I understand why they made the decision that they did. But I mean, I, I think you at this point have to really consider what you're doing at the quarterback position. And I mean, I feel terrible for Blackman on this. I think he's a great kid, great guy. He's not a kid. But, you know, I would, I, and I know, listen, Jordan Travis is not a better, better quarterback than either of these guys at this point. But one thing that Jordan Travis can do is move. He can run. And I would very seriously consider giving Jordan Travis some reps with the ones this week, seeing what happens and contemplating going basically full veer with acres just run full fear but go mobile quarterback and if you have to uh you know do more 
direct snap to the to the tailback stuff and you know maybe a, a few passing plays out of that but go big put two h backs on the field go big direct snap to the back and see what you can do or go big put jordan travis out there and run full veer cam Akers, and if and and if they uh they start crashing down on him then travis you pull it and just run option I mean, tell me why that why that's not a good idea. Because at some point, what you've got to do is you've got to generate a consistent running game for the rest of the season. And teams right now know that they they can stack the line of scrimmage, they can chase acres because n- neither the 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 quarterbacks can move. Blackman is even less mobile now because of that knee injury. Hornybrook is a statue, so. They're not worried about those guys moving at all. So they can completely focus on Akers and he's still getting what he's getting. But go ahead and just go full veer and just run the put a guy out there that can run the football and can make a few rudimentary throws in your offense, run a more limited throw, a passing package for him if you have to, but run the heck out of the ball with Akers and LeBorn and stick Travis out there and see what can, what, what happens. And if you don't think you can do that, then I think you got to roll with Hornybrook at this point. You have to. With what happened at the end of this last game, I mean, everybody on that team, even Blackman, those guys are going to understand the situation that you have to ultimately make a change there. But if Hornybrook is struggling, I think you go to I think you've got to go to Jordan Travis and and start having some running packages for him so that you can use the mobility. And is he a great Running quarterback, is he a super mobile guy? No, but he can move. I mean, he's not king from from uh, from Houston, for example. But I, I think that's that's one thing I do. I think the freshman linebackers need to rotate in. You need to you need to really consider some some youth on the defense even more at different spots. But this is not good, Bob. <laughs> And it, it, given the, the upcoming schedule, it doesn't look like it's likely to get a whole lot better. I mean, there's going to be some ugly football played over the next four weeks. Hopefully you can come out of that with three wins before you go and get, your, get yourself shellacked by Florida. But I, that's, that's all I got. Uh, I want to thank my three sponsors. Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, who I know some of you would like to do some work in uh, Tallahassee soon, but uh, if you need any work done in the greater Jacksonville area, in the real estate area, he's your guy. EPR Creations, they're the ones if you need any sort of web development or online strategy planning, let them know. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast and also Garage Makeovers. If you're in Broward or Palm Beach counties and you need any garage work done, talk to them. Let them know I sent you. Also want to thank the patrons above the bleach numbers level. Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, and Bert Bertoldi. Thank you for your contributions and uh, for your support, despite uh, this abysmal project pro- uh, product that we've been breaking down for the past couple of years. I, I, like I said, that's all I got. I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. Fatigued and 
fed up with it takes edition. I'm Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.